I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. I'll do what you want me to do. Boy, that's a great chorus and uh, great that we should sing it and great that it would stay uh, in our minds and in our hearts, really. And, uh, you know, I've said this before and I'll say it again, that uh, good godly music, uh, boy, when it just stays in your heart uh, and stays in your mind, it's just good for you. This morning I woke up uh, with a, a song in my mind. Uh, now, now it just slipped my mind what it was. It's, uh, I know what the idea was. It's, uh, it's look, without, look, what, look what the Lord has done for me. Uh, something of that nature. I can't get the exact words. But, but basically, it, I woke up with that song on my mind in the morning. And uh, man, it was just stuck in my head all morning long. And just thinking about how good God truly has been uh, to me in my life. And, uh, you know, that's a good thing uh, to wake up with with good Christian music in your mind and in your heart. And uh, and that is a blessing. So praise the Lord for that. We're in the book of Psalms. uh, So it is uh, appropriate. We talk about music. Of course, uh, the book of Psalms was uh, the songbook, really, of the uh, for the Jews. They would sing many of these. And uh, I don't know how they sang them, uh, but I do know that I do know many of the psalms as songs, and uh, and uh, they're just good. It's a good way to sing the Bible, memorize the Bible, and it sticks in your mind. And so that's a wonderful thing. This evening I'm going to be preaching on a firm foundation. You know, a foundation is something that must be solid in order to build a building that will not fail or in the severe storms that life may throw at us. Uh, a foundation has got to be solid. And uh, this psalm really deals with having a solid foundation. Psalm number 11, and the Bible says there in verse number 1, In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot up at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple, the Lord's throne is in heaven, his eyes behold the... His eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and an horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cups. For the righteous, for the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Father, we thank you for your word that is so rich and so, uh, so great and so wonderful. Father, I pray that you would use me. God, I pray that you would speak through me tonight. God, I pray that we would uh, get out of this psalm what we can, what you uh, would have us to get. And Father, I pray that you would encourage and strengthen and help each and every person that's here. And Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this, uh, he starts out asking some questions. I I love the way David starts this psalm. Matter of fact, he starts out right in the beginning and he says, In the Lord put I my trust. He he makes no bones about it right up front. He says, hey, I want everyone to know that my trust is firmly placed in the Lord. And after that, he goes on and he asks a few questions. And uh, and as he asks those questions, uh, the, the last question there in verse number three, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I've often heard that verse quoted, and I've often heard it uh, quoted many times, not maybe in, uh, uh, in, in the application of this chapter, uh, but as we look at it, there's a great statement there. Hey, if the foundations are destroyed, boy, we've got a real problem. Um, you know, this church would have a foundation that it was built on physically. Uh, there's... there's 
rock and concrete, and I wasn't here when they built it, but uh, I'm sure all of that's under there. You know, if, if we were to discover, oh, the foundation is cracked, that's a serious problem. Uh, I've seen many houses or older buildings where the foundation is cracked or broken, and, and if it's not repaired, if they don't jack that building up and sustain it and rebuild that foundation, uh, boy, that, that building suffers all kinds of structural problems and can actually uh, lose a wall. You ever see a wall fall out from under a building or, you know, it kind of crumples to one side and uh, it can be a real problem. Hey, listen, spiritually, the same thing is true for us. If our foundation uh, crumbles beneath us, we're going to have problems. And uh, you will face storms in this life. We're going to have problems. We're going to have difficulties. We're going to face trials in this life. And Jesus said it this way in Luke 6, 46. He said, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? And he goes on and he says, Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When the flood rose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and it could, and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. We, of course, know that song in Junior Church where he sang, uh, The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And then we go and we sing, uh, the wrens came and, and the house stood firm. But then the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And hey, when the winds come and the rains come, that house was washed away. I guess, uh, sadly, we'll find out in Florida how many houses are built on a solid foundation. Uh, as they're facing a Category 5 storm. And, uh, and so, you know, we'll find out. Maybe some of those won't hold up. Maybe some of them will. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but hey... The foundation has got to be firm. And as we look at this psalm, that is what he's dealing with. I want you to notice in the first two verses, he really is dealing with the feelings that people have given him. Notice there in verse number one, he says this, In the Lord put I my trust. Again, he states that right up front. Then he goes on and he says, How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain. In other words, he's questioning. In verse number two, he says, For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. And he's, he's expressing what has been given to him. These are some feelings that other people, probably those that are close, probably those that are maybe friends with, uh, with the psalmist or maybe related to the psalmist, and they've iterated these feelings, they've expressed these feelings uh, to the psalmist. And, and he's pondering, why would you tell me to flee to the mountain? Why would you tell me to run and to hide? And, uh, and the wicked, uh, the statement, verse number two, hey, the wicked have waged war. Look at what they're doing to you. And, uh, and the temptation there uh, for David or for any Christian in a, uh, in a time when they're going through a storm or when they're going through difficulties is, of course, to, uh, to flee. And to run and say, hey, I'm getting away from all of this. And, of course, the idea behind that is uh, the abandonment uh, of the battle uh, for right. Saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. I'm, this ain't working out for me. And I'm, I'm running. And, uh, and that's the temptation there for David. The abandonment of faith or hope. In other words, saying, hey, I'm not seeing this going forward. I'm not seeing, any, I'm not seeing a victory come at this point, And therefore, uh, I must flee. And, uh, and so that's kind of the idea. Or to save yourself and, and jump out and, and run away and to hide yourself. Kind of like a self-reliance. And, uh, and we see all those feelings that are expressed. And as we look at this, understand that, that somebody had vocalized these things to David. 
And he's asking, he's saying, maybe he's asking them, maybe he's asking the Lord, maybe he's asking himself, saying, why did they tell me to flee to the mountain as a bird? And, uh, and, and as we look at this and think of us, I want us to understand this. What are the causes of, of some of these temptations? Um, and I want to say first and foremost that perhaps uh, one of the things that could cause these feelings uh, or from somebody else even is very well could be carnality, uh, just carnality. Now understand, I'm not trying to be um, rude to people, but understand that not everyone is at the same place of faith in their life. And so David very well could have some people. David had a very strong, a very founded faith. Even from his youth, the Bible says that, uh, that a lion came to attack the herd. And, uh, and he said, oh no, not my herd. Uh, Lord, Lord put me here to protect this flock of sheep. And I'm going to do that. And he went after that lion. And, and he said, hey, the Lord saved me out of the mouth of the lion. Uh, same thing with a bear, came to destroy the flock. And, and he said, the Lord saved me out of the mouth of the bear. In other words, David said, hey, my faith has been founded since a young man as I was guarding the flocks that were my father's that I was responsible for. I, I then realized that, hey, God is real in my life and my faith must be placed in God. And so David had a very founded, a very strong faith in the Lord. But listen, not everyone has that same faith. Uh, some people haven't grown to that point in their life yet. And so David uh, is questioning, he's like, why would you even tell me that? And perhaps it's from carnality. Maybe they just haven't grown in their faith. Another illustration that comes to mind would be uh, in 2 Kings chapter number 6. You don't have to turn there, but certainly you can note it down. Uh, in verses 15 down through 17, Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha, the second prophet of God, uh, he's in a city and it's surrounded by enemy horses and chariots. And they are all around. And his servant goes out and he looks around the hills and he sees and he says, Oh my. We are absolutely surrounded by the enemy. And he goes back to Elisha and he says this. Uh, how he basically, it's, a, it's an odd, oddly phrased question, but it basically means he says, what are we going to do, Elisha? We're in trouble. Uh, I think he said, how do we now or something of that, that nature. Uh, but basically he's saying, what on earth are we going to do? H have you noticed that we're absolutely surrounded? There's enemies all around the city. And Elisha prays this in 2 Kings 6, 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Hey, I'm just saying that sometimes faith allows us to see something that other people cannot see. And that's certainly true in Elisha's life. His servant did not see that. David was saying, hey, my faith is founded in the Lord. But others were saying, hey, why don't you flee to the mountains like a bird? Hey, why don't you get out of here? Uh, and perhaps they, were, they, were, they, they just weren't as, uh, did not have as strong of faith as David had. Perhaps this, not just carnality, Maybe it was concern for David. You know, a lot of people are concerned uh, for your well-being. And usually people that are close to you will be concerned for your well-being. That's a natural thing. Um, and when you see somebody else and they're going through a struggle, they're going through a difficulty, or perhaps they're doing something that is uh, what you would think is a, a dangerous thing, um, or something that perhaps would uh, cause them to be in an unsafe position. I'll give you an example. Many times going to Peru as missionaries, uh, a lot of people would look at us and say, boy, I, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could take my family to Peru. And they would ask us, is it dangerous? And well, you know, I mean, I don't know. You know, I, it's, to, my, to me, it's no more dangerous than being anywhere else. And I often thought, you know, if you're, if you're in the center of God's will, then you're probably in the safest place in the world. 
And so, uh, but they're concerned. They see uh, somebody going through and maybe David's friend or David's relative was concerned for David and saying, listen, uh, we're concerned for your safety. And, uh, and, and so maybe that would cause a temptation. Uh, we're talking about the feelings that would cause some of this stuff. Carnality, maybe they don't have the faith. Concern, that they're concerned for their well-being and their safety. Uh, I thought of this as well. How about compassion? Sometimes, and I think this was the case with, uh, with Job's wife, sometimes it's just out of sheer compassion. You're like, man, just be done with it. You know, you don't want to see somebody suffer any longer. And maybe that's the case with David. They're saying, hey, just flee to the mountains. We don't want to see you uh, be endangered over and over and have your life uh, put on the line. And Job's wife is often criticized uh, because she did tell Job, curse God and die. But you got to understand this as well. You have to look at the other side as well. She had suffered loss. Those weren't just Job's kids that were killed. Those were her children that died. And she too was suffering, but at least she had her health. Job didn't have health. I mean, he, he, he started having all kinds of problems, and, and maybe it was just out of sheer compassion that she said, man, you know, maybe you'd be better off dead at this point with all that you've gone through. And you don't want to see your loved ones suffer through the, some things like that. And so perhaps... It's a, it's a point of compassion. It's not, always, uh, it's not always carnality or a lack of faith, but just the fact that uh, they would not want to see somebody go through all of those problems. And so these questions are asked. Uh, he said, and so he's saying, why would somebody tell me that? Well, that's really why. Uh, somebody would say that. Maybe, they're, maybe they don't have as strong a faith. Maybe they're concerned for David. Maybe they're just out of compassion uh, for, for his life. But we see those ideas that, hey, listen, uh, these people are after you and you need to run and, and take care of yourself. We see these feelings that are, are, are expressed there in verses 1 and 2. I want you to notice the foundation shaken in verse number 3. I'm not saying that David's faith was shaken. I'm not saying that. But I am saying this. There are many Christians whose faith has been shaken by trials and difficulties that they have gone through in their life. And I want to be very careful. I'm not condemning people who have been through a trial so severe that it would cause their faith to shake. I'll give you a couple examples in the Bible that we'll look at, whose who's we esteem highly, that we would look at them as, as good, godly people, but yet their foundations and their faith was shaken. And David is asking this question, if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? In other words, if your faith is so shaken that your foundation is moved and you're saying, man, I don't know if I believe God any longer. That's a serious point. And, and sometimes people arrive to that point. And listen, who's to say that you and I would not arrive to that point? Because a serious situation could arrive and, and cause anybody to arrive to that place where they're like, man, I'm just not sure about anything anymore. And so uh, he says the foundation is shaken. Hey, I want to give you just a few things. What are some reasons that our foundation is shaken? The very first thing that I want us to realize and understand that your foundation can be shaken when, you, when your focus on the problem and not the Lord. You focus on the problem and not the Lord. The, the example that we give of this is, of course, Peter walking on the water. And it's a, very inappropriate, it's a very appropriate example. You think about the life of Peter, and, and I always praise Peter, by the way, because he did step out of the boat and he did walk on the water. No, no other disciple could say that they did that. I'm just saying and sometimes the people who step out by faith are more likely to have their faith shaken uh, because of a situation or a problem that they go through. 
And so Peter, of course, he steps out on the water. Uh, but the Bible says this in Matthew 14, 30. We, of course, know the verse. The Bible says, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. Hey, listen, his faith was shaken when he started looking around and focusing on the storms, focusing on the size of the waves, and focusing on, uh, I'm a very logical thinker, and so I think to myself, was, was Peter, as he was standing on the water, was he going up and down with the swells of the waves? When he took his next step, was it like taking a step up or a step down? Because depending on the swell of the water, where it would have been. And I don't know the answers to all of that. I'm just telling you. And maybe Peter's mind started getting concerned about that. And Peter started wondering, well, am I going up or am I going down? And he started looking. And when he started focusing on the, the, the size of the waves and how great the storm really was that was around him, hey, that's when he began to sink because his eyes were taken off the Lord. And I'm just saying that our faith can be shaken if we start to focus on the problems that are around us. And I'm not saying to ignore the problems, but I'm saying our focus should not be on that. Listen, we'll have problems, we'll have storms, we'll have difficulties in our life. You will, have to, you, you will come to decisions that absolutely have to be made in your life. And so I'm not saying just don't do those things, but your focus ought to be on the Lord. So we find that focus will cause our, our foundation to be shaken. How about forsaking the Word of God? Hey, listen, when you neglect the Word of God, the, the, your thoughts are not going to be turned to God. Listen, during the hard times, uh, you ought to be spending time in the Word of God. Hey, during the good times, you ought to be spending time in the Word of God as well. That will help you. Uh, but, but we're specifically talking about troubles and having our foundations shaken. Uh, listen, when it seems like uh, you're questioning everything, hey, that is the best time to open the Word of God. Hey, go ahead and open up to the, to the book of Psalms. And find a psalm like Psalm chapter 11 that affirms, and we'll get down there uh, to where we find some, some things that will strengthen our foundation at the end of this chapter. Uh, but I'm saying this, open your Bible and, and find comfort in the Word of God and help secure that foundation by the Word that God has given us. Because if we forsake it, if we neglect the Word of God, then of course we're not going to be drawn closer to God. Of course we're going to have more problems and more difficulty in our life. And secondly, thirdly, uh, not only focusing on the problem and forsaking God's Word, but really it can be forgetting that God is in control. It can really cause your faith to shake. You know, your faith can be shaken by that. Can I tell you this? I've said it many a times. There is nothing that takes God by surprise. There's nothing that takes God by surprise. I'm surprised all the time. Half the time, I'm surprised by my family plans. I'm like, oh, I didn't know we were doing that. My wife's like, I told you. She, she did. She probably did. I just forget. And I'm like, oh, I guess we're doing that. All right. And, and I'm surprised. Listen, we're often surprised by stuff. I mean, we just are. Um, I, I, I almost got rear end. I looked in my rear view mirror and there was, a, there was a van. Man, he was approaching me and I know he swerved into the other lane and missed me uh, and I almost got rear ended. Uh, and I thought, boy, that would have really surprised me. As a matter of fact, that would have probably not made my day. And, uh, and listen, we are taken by surprise, but listen, God's not taken by surprise. God's always aware of what is going on. And He's not concerned by, by things. Listen, uh, your life can change in an instant uh, by, by an accident, by a call from a doctor, by a sickness, by a call from a friend. Your life can change automatically and we need to remind ourselves that, hey, God is in control and God is not shocked or surprised by the things that take place. Not only that, God always knows what to do. 
You ever been in those situations? I've, I think I'm there regularly. And I think to myself, I have no idea what to do. And you know what? I'm glad that I don't always have to know what to do. I know somebody who does. And I can just go to God. And I can say, God, I, I'm not for sure what to do in this situation. I'm sure that there were many times in David's life when he was threatened, when he was endangered, when he was unsure of which way to go or what thing to do, and, God, and, and David would constantly uh, throw him at the uh, self at the, at the altar of God and say, God, I need your help in this situation. And I'm sure that, that God supplied that time in and time out, and that is... That is why David could say, in the Lord put I my trust. We see the feelings that would generate that temptation to flee or the feelings that would cause doubt to come in times of trouble. We see the foundations that can very well be shaken uh, and some of the, the things that would really cause those to be shaken in our life. I want to look at facts to build upon. The last, last several verses, verses 4 down through 7, are facts that we can build upon that David gives us. And I believe David gives them to us from a very uh, sense of, of experience with God. In that David's life was, some, was, was a life of ups and downs. I mean, uh, David had it good while he was watching the, the, the sheep and the flocks in the fields. And, and then, of course, when he went to uh, find out how his brothers were doing, as his dad had told him, and taking the cheese there. And, and of course, that, uh, that David found himself battling against Goliath for the Lord's sake. And, of course, he won that, but then that did not win him ultimately favor with the king. Matter of fact, it kind of put him on the outs with the king. And the king, because of jealousy from that time forward, uh, was very upset at David and, and tried to kill him several times and, and chased him throughout the wilderness and in the mountains. And, and you see a, a life of up and downs. And then finally, uh, God exalts David to the king of the throne only to find that later in his kingdom that he's running again for his own life as his son tries to overthrow him and take over the kingdom. You say, man, that's quite a... Yeah, you should go back and read it. It's a wild story. I mean, it beats any, it beats any of the, the things they got on TV today. I mean, it, it's really a, a wonderful story. But that, that, that is going to give us these facts that we find in here. He says there in verse number four, the Lord is in his holy temple. I mentioned this last week, but it's so true. The Lord is holy. What does that mean to us? It means that God will never do you wrong. Never. You could just mark it down. That, that God is always going to be just with you. And you say, well, I don't, I don't think God's been just uh, with me in this or in that. Listen, God is holy. And God is not going to, uh, to mess up or make mistakes. He is holy. He is without error. He is without sin. He is, he is somebody that is going to always do right. And He's not out to get us. Sometimes people feel like, well, God's out to get me. No. Listen, God's, that's not God. God is a holy God. And He's going to do things right. Most of the time, the people that think, well, God's out to get me, it's because they ain't walking with God. And, and they're, they're, they're not in touch with God. They're not in tune with God. And so uh, they feel like that because they know in their heart they're wrong. But the Lord is holy. Not only that, and I mentioned this, but God will, not only will he never do you wrong, but God will never make a mistake. Sometimes we're going to fail people even by accident. Sometimes, uh, you know, things are just out of control. Um, my kids aren't in here, so I can use them as illustration. I remember when my kids were little, and we'd tell them, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to go get ice cream. And, and you want to you get four little kids excited, you just mention ice cream. Yeah, we're getting ice cream. And they were little, I, I don't know, two, three, four, whatever they were, they were little, and, and they were excited. And you know what? We learned really quickly that 
we might have plans of getting ice cream, but something may change that. And so uh, unless you are like driving to the ice cream's place, don't even bring it up. That's what we learned as parents. Because there were a time or two that I have no doubt that we mentioned it, ice cream, and then something came up, and we were not able to go get them ice cream. And guess what happened? We had four very disappointed little kids. We had failed them. Not, not on purpose. We didn't set out to try to fail them, but, but things happen, and, and sometimes we cannot control every circumstance and every situation, and sometimes we will fail people by accident. But let me tell you something. You can mark it down. God will never fail you. He never will. Because He's holy. The Lord is holy, he says. He says there in verse 4, the Lord is in his holy temple because God is holy. He says there the second phrase, the Lord's throne is in heaven. The Lord is high. In other words, he's sitting in heaven. He's got the best seat in the house and he doesn't miss anything. He sees Every bit of it. We're preaching through the book of Revelation on Sunday night. And, and every one of those, Christ says this to the church, I know thy works. God knows what we're doing. God knows all the good that we're, we're, we're trying to accomplish. God knows the amount of time that we spend reading in, in His Word. God knows the amount of time that we spend in prayer or don't spend in prayer. God knows the amount of time that we might uh, witness to somebody else or not witness to somebody else. God knows all of the preparation that we would put in for teaching a Sunday school class or, do, or cleaning the church or do other things. Uh, God knows what we are doing because He has the best seat in the house and there is absolutely nothing that escapes His ability to see what is going on. Not only the fact that he's, uh, the Lord's throne is in heaven, it also represents His power. Hey, there's no problem or difficulty too, too big for God. Sometimes we look at problems, and to us, it is an impossibility. It is something that we say, this cannot be done. There's no way on earth. Hey, listen, I find there's nothing impossible for God. Isn't that what God told Abraham and Sarah? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And we look at things and we look at, uh, we look at problems, we look at, look at difficulties, and we say, man, there's just no way. Listen, the Lord is in heaven. He's on high. He's sitting on a throne. He is all-powerful. And I'm just telling you that, that we ought not limit God with our unbelief. Because he is on high. Not only that, I want you to notice, look with me in verse number, verses 4 and 5. Uh, the Lord heeds his children. Look with me there in verse number 4. The second part it says the Lord's throne is in heaven. It says, his eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. Verse number 5, the Lord trieth the righteous. In other words, he heeds his children. The Lord knows what is going on in his children's life. He's paying attention to us, and he knows where we are at in our life. He knows what difficulties we are going through. Um, much like, and I have to give the example of a mom, not like a dad, because moms are far more watchful over their children than dads are. You can sit there at the, uh, the park and, and, uh, and, and some kid will cry out and, and the mom knows, oh, that's my, that's my kid, or that's not my kid. I'll be like looking, some kid cry out, I'm like looking, who is that? Who's crying? What do they need? And Kathy's like, it's not ours. I'm like, how do you know that? She, just, she knows their voice. Hey, isn't that what Jesus said? My sheep, uh, they, he said, my sheep know my voice. But listen, he knows us just as well. He knows our cry. He knows what we're doing. His eyes see everything that is going on. I love this in verse number 5. Look at this. It says, the Lord trieth the righteous. You say, brother, that does not sound good. No, it doesn't sound good to us. 
Can I tell you something? Our faith grows through trials. It does. And the Lord allows trials to come into our life so that we will learn to trust Him even more. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter number 4. Save your spot there in Psalms. We'll be back there. 1 Peter chapter number 4. And I want you to see this. 1 Peter chapter number 4. And verse number 12. First Peter chapter 4 and verse number 12. The Bible says this. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Let me just stop there and mention this, that in the middle of that verse, he says the fiery trial. He's not just talking about a trial, but rather a very strong, because he uses the adjective, a fiery trial, which is greater than just a trial that may come along. And he says, hey, don't count it strange. In other words, don't think that it's odd that some very difficult trial would come your way. He says, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Look at verse number 13 because he doesn't stop the sentence there. He says, but rejoice. Wow, the goal he has to say that. But rejoice. Why? Inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Now that's not an easy verse to swallow, I'll be honest with you. That's not an easy verse to practice. But I think that God will give us the strength and help us to do those things. Look with me in verse number, uh, the, the following verse there. Uh, in verse number 14, If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Let me just stop and mention in verse number 15, he's saying that you ought to suffer righteously. If you suffer as a thief, if you suffer as a murderer, if you suffer as uh, whatever he's listed there, a busybody, uh, then, then you've brought the problems upon yourself. That's your problem. But he said, if you're suffering righteously, you're living right, you're walking with God, you're doing what God wants you to do, and fiery trials come your way, which they will, because he says, don't be surprised when they do. He said, if this is the case, go on in verse number uh, 16, he said, yet if any man suffer as a, I love this, as a Christian. Boy, what a great verse. But if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his, on this behalf. Listen, God allows us to go through trials. There's another verse, I believe it's in Romans 5. I don't remember right off the top of my head where it is. But it says, uh, it talks about uh, the, the, the experience of life. I'm sure it's Romans 5. Go over there really quick. Um, I want us to see that. It is. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 1. We, we have, God will allow these problems to come into our life, not because we're living wrong and not because we're sinful, but rather because God wants us to grow in our faith. Romans chapter 5, really quick. The Bible says this, um, We'll start in verse number one. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith 
into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. He's talking about, hey, the problems that would come our way. We glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. Listen, it's that experience that grows our faith. We started off by saying, listen, some people's faith may be shaken uh, or they may question things that you're going through in your life. Maybe simply because of their carnality, they have not grown in their faith and experienced uh, trials and tribulations like you have with God. And that faith and that, that experience with God grows our faith. And helps us. That's what Romans 5 is talking about. As we read there, he says in verse 3, And not only, but, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. And so we find that growth that takes place. And I'm just saying in Romans chapter 11 and verse number 5, it says, The Lord trieth the righteous. In other words, He wants us to grow. He tries us because He wants our faith to be expanded and to grow. And listen, it's, it's, is it painful? Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's difficult, yes. But God wants His children to grow. I want you to notice as well that the Lord humbles the wicked. Look at what He says there in verse number 6. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares and brimstone and in horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. He said in verse 7, he goes back to heeding his children. For the righteous loveth, uh, for the righteous Lord loveth righteousness, his countenance doth behold the upright. And I'm just saying the facts that we need to remember and grasp when we're going through those storms is that the Lord is holy. The Lord sits on high in His throne. The Lord heeds His children. He's paying attention to where you are at in the storm. He knows exactly what you are going through. And the Lord will ultimately humble the wicked. We see that time and time again in the book of Psalms. That listen, He'll deal with it. He'll deal with those that have, that have done wrong and those that are wicked. But hey, we need to remember those four things about the Lord, uh, those three things rather, that the Lord's holy, He's high, and He pays attention, He heeds His children. Listen, that'll, that'll firm up your foundation. When you go through a storm and when something comes and maybe even somebody else, maybe out of compassion, maybe out of concern, maybe out of just carnality, they're not as, as grown in Christ as maybe you are, uh, would say, man, you, you, need, you shouldn't be doing that or you should be uh, going the other way or, man, I don't know if I would stick in there if I was you. Hey, you just grab hold of God and you have a firm foundation because God is holy. God sits on high. And God heeds His children, and He knows what we're going through. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Father, we thank You, God, that You pay such close attention to us. God, sometimes it seems like, and in our own mind, we would isolate the fact that we're out here all alone. God, maybe Peter felt that way as he was walking on the water and focused on the storm and started thinking, I'm out here all on my own. But God, we're never without you. You've promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And God, you would never do us wrong. God, you're not surprised by things that take place in our life. God, I pray that you would firm our foundation and our faith in You. And sometimes that comes through tribulations and fiery trials and hardships that we go through. And God, when they come our way, I pray that You would help us to keep a focus on You. God, to stay focused on Your Word. God, I pray that You would touch hearts 
strengthen believers, encourage the brethren. God, help us to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that we can trust you implicitly with our lives. God, I pray that you'd strengthen each and every person. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, the piano's playing. If God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. You can, of course, pray there in your seat. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're online and you're listening and you say, you know what, I've, I've, I don't know the Lord like that. Listen, all of those things apply to the child of God. And you can be a child of God by placing your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and asking Him to save you. Oh, then, my friend, He'll be watching out for you. He'll be watching over you. He'll be there to protect you. You can trust Him. to a close and I ask you to be seated really quick I know I'm I went a little bit longer than I usually do I, I just want to want to do we'll do it a little bit different tonight than we normally would I do need to bring um, all these up and just give you an update on all of these uh, Scott Isom was in ICU and uh, he is doing better he, he was in a normal room and and possibly getting out of the hospital so that is that is a uh, a blessing. We've been praying for him. Jeff Kane had surgery uh, here a week or two ago, and uh, we were praying for that, and that went well, and he is recovering. David Orr had surgery. Uh, he's had a couple surgeries, and uh, he is doing well, and he is recovering, so praise the Lord for that. Uh, Miss Nancy Harris, uh, tonight, my understanding is, should be right now even, uh, she's moving to Woodlawn, so just uh, make a note of that. Physically, uh, her body seems like she's doing well, but uh, she is discouraged. And uh, so keep her in your prayers. Uh, maybe jot her a card. Maybe give her a call. Maybe drop by and visit if you have the opportunity. And I'm sure that she would certainly appreciate that uh, as she's going to Woodlawn for rehab. And then Bob Snoffer, uh, my understanding is that he's going home tonight. He was in the, he's been in the hospital and, uh, and they'll be bringing hospice into his home. And uh, he's, still, he's still a fighter. Uh, I, I was up seeing him yesterday, and he's, he's, he is a fighter. Um, and so, you know, mentally he's strong. Uh, physically his body is weak. Uh, pray for him. And uh, I know they'll appreciate that. Pray for Miss Shirley, too. Um, Pray for, there's a lot of people in Florida, a lot of this hurricane, and, and perhaps you know people. Brother Scalf mentioned Bill and Julie in Florida. They, they live down there, friends of his, and uh, uh, he's not sure exactly if they're in it or not, but we need to keep, keep in prayer the people of Florida and uh, those, maybe you have friends, maybe you have family that are there going through that storm right now, and uh, we certainly need to keep them in prayer. And I don't want to minimize any of the requests, but what I do want to do is I want to pray specifically for our revival services that are coming up. And, uh, and so we'll forego taking uh, prayer requests. And we always have the, uh, the prayer cards in the pew pockets. If you ever have a prayer request, do fill those out. Drop them in the pew pocket. They do help, uh, and, and we'll have them. And so we won't take any prayer requests specifically tonight, but I do want to pray specifically for our revival service. And I don't want to be the only one to pray. So what I'd like to do is just take um, two, maybe two people, maybe three people who, could who would volunteer and we'll have the fellows get you a mic and say, well, I would like to pray uh, for revival service. And we'll have a mic brought to you. You can pray, you can pray out loud and we'll just go in the order that, that you volunteer. So does anybody willing to pray? say, Pastor, I'd pray publicly for revival. Uh, any volunteers for that? All right, Brother Tannis, you can start us off. And Brother Danny Beadle, uh, if you could pray uh, second and, uh, 
and then uh, I'll just I'll close us out after that. Um, and Brother Danny Beadle is the second one. And so we'll have Brother Tannis, if you could pray first, and then Brother Danny Beadle, and then uh, I'll close us out in prayer, and we'll be finished for tonight. Father, we thank you for this evening, and we thank you for, Lord, the upcoming revival meetings. We know, Lord, that you have a desire to work in the hearts of your children. And, Father, sometimes we can really be resistant to that. And, Father, we ask you tonight that you would just humble each heart. And, Lord, that is sometimes a difficult thing for us to ask, especially when it's our own heart that needs to be humble. Father, would you help, Father, the preacher that's going to preach the messages, would you prepare even now the messages that need to be given? Father, we ask you, Lord, that you would just bring us to that place where we desire to have a closer walk with you. And, Lord, this, this life that you have given to us is not always easy and, Father, we thank you sometimes for the trials, as was mentioned tonight, because they do make it that much more special when we have revival meetings and you begin to touch our hearts and draw us closer to you. Father, would you help us to find joy in your word? Would you give us the grace that we stand in need of? And, Father, most of all, would you teach us your will for our life? And, Father, we ask you, God, to help each of us to submit to you Lord, as unto a faithful creator, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. Lord, thank you for this uh, evening, Lord, and thank you for this uh, message this evening, Lord, that uh, was so needed, Lord, that we need a strong foundation and uh, starts by uh, uh, following your commandments of uh, prayers and uh, staying in your word and staying close to you. Lord, we pray that continues. Um, on through to uh, leading up to revival, Lord, and the services. Pray that uh, many will be able to come, Lord, and um, even some that uh, may be visitors and uh, would hear the gospel and what you would uh, have 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 uh, Brother Mark Rogers speak, Lord. Pray that you'll uh, soften hearts, Lord, and uh, have us prepared and uh, keep you in the front and center, Lord and um, that you would work in lives and hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God, we thank you just for your goodness to us. Father, I thank you for uh, our church. God, we thank you for just the many, many things that you have done in our church. And God, your, uh, just the, the sweet spirit that we have. And uh, God, I pray that you would just bless our church. I pray that you would be with us as we go into revival service. God, we know that... Uh, revival comes from you, but it comes from a people, Father, that would humble themselves. And so, Father, we, we ask that you would help us uh, 